Good afternoon and hello. Welcome back and thank you very much for joining me to here the next chapter in five go to smuggler's top. It's getting curiouser and curiouser. So what happens next? Well let's find out. Chapter 18 Curious Discoveries just as she had unscrewed almost the last screw, there came a tapping at the door. George jumped and stiffened. She did not answer, afraid that it was Block or Mr Lenoir. Then, to her great relief, she heard Julian's voice. George, are you in there? The little girl hurried across to the door and unlocked it. The boys came in looking surprised, followed by Anne and Mary Bell. George shut the door and locked it again. Mr Barling's gone away and shut up the house, said Julian, so that's that. What on earth are you doing, George? Unscrewing this window seat, said George, and told them about the screw she had found on the floor. They all crowded round her, excited. Good for you, George, said Dick. Here, let me finish the unscrewing. No thanks, this is my job, said George. She took out the last screw. Then she lifted the edge of the window seat. It came up like a lid. Everyone peered inside, rather scared. What would they see? To their great surprise and disappointment, they saw nothing but an empty cupboard. It was as if the window seat was a box with a lid screwed down for people to sit on. Ugh! Well, what a disappointment, said Dick. He shut down the lid. I don't expect you heard anyone screwing down the lid, really, George. It might have been your imagination. Well, it wasn't, said George shortly. She opened the lid again. She got right into the box-like window seat and stamped and pressed with her feet. And quite suddenly, there came a small creaking noise and the bottom of the empty window box fell downwards like a trapdoor on a hinge. George <gasps> gasped and clutched at the side. She kicked about in air for a moment and then scrambled out. Everyone looked down in silence. They looked down a straight yawning hole, which, however, came to an end only about eight feet down. There it appeared to widen out and, no doubt, entered a secret passage which ran into one of the underground tunnels with which the whole hill was honeycombed. It might even run to Mr Barling's house. Look at that, said Dick. Who would have thought of that? I bet even Old Sooty didn't know about this. Shall we go down, said George. Shall we see where it goes to? We might find old Timmy. There came the noise of someone trying the handle of the door. It was locked. Then there was an impatient rapping and a cross voice called out sharply. Why is this door locked? Open it at once. What are you doing in there? It's father, whispered Mary Bell with wide eyes. I'd better unlock the door. George shut the lid of the window seat down at once, quietly. She did not want Mr Lenoir to see their latest discovery. When the door was opened, Mr Lenoir saw the children standing about, 
or sitting on the window seat. I've had a good talk to Block, he said, and as I thought, he doesn't know a thing about all the goings on here. He was most amazed to hear about the signalling from the tower, but he doesn't think it's Mr Barling. He thinks it may be a plot of some sort against me. Oh, said the children, who felt that they would not believe Block so readily as Mr Lenoir appeared to. It's quite upset, Block, said Mr Lenoir. He feels really sick and I've told him to go and have a rest till we decide what to do next. The children felt that Block would not be so easily upset as all that. They all suspected at once that he would not really go to rest, but would probably sneak out on business of his own. I've got some work to attend to for a little while, said Mr Lenoir. I've rung up the police, but unluckily the inspector is out. He will ring me directly he comes back. Now, can you keep out of mischief till I've finished my work? The children thought this was a silly question. They made no reply. Mr Lenoir gave one of his sudden smiles and little laughs and went. I'm going to pop along to Block's room and see if he really is there, said Julian as soon as Mr Lenoir was out of sight. He went to the wing where the staff bedrooms were and stopped softly outside Block's. The door was a little ajar and Julian could see through the crack. He saw the shape of Block's body in the bed and the dark patch that was his head. The curtains were drawn across the window to keep out the light, but there was enough to see all this. Julian sped back to the others. Yes, he's in bed all right, he said. Well, he's safe for a bit. Shall we have a shot at getting down to the window seat hole? I'd dearly like to see where it leads to. Oh, yes, said everyone. But it was not an easy job to drop eight feet down without being terribly jolted. Julian went first and was very much jarred. He called up to Dick. We'll have to get a bit of rope and tie it to something up there and let it hang down the hole. It's an awful business to let yourself drop down. But just as Dick went to find a rope, Julian called up again. Oh, it's all right. I've just seen something. There are niches carved into the sides of the hole. Niches you can put foot or hand into. Oh, I didn't see them before. You can use them to help you down. So down went everyone. One after another feeling for the niches and finding them. George missed one or two, clawed wildly at the air and dropped down the last few feet, landing with rather a bump. But she was not hurt. As they had thought, the hole led to another secret passage in the house. But this one went straight downwards by means of steps, so that very soon they went well below the level of the house. Then they came into the maze of tunnels that honeycombed the hill. They stopped. Look, we can't possibly go any further, said Julian. We'll get lost. We hasn't, haven't, haven't got Sooty with us now, and Mary Bell isn't any good at finding the way. It would be dangerous to wander about. They could hear the hollow sounds of footsteps coming from a tunnel to the left of them. They all shrank back into the shadows, and Julian switched off his torch. It's two people 
whispered Anne as two figures came out of the nearby tunnel. One was very tall and long. The other... Yes, surely the other was Block. If it wasn't Block, it was someone, the exact image of him. The men were talking in low voices, answering one another. How could it be Block, though, if he could hear as well as that? Anyway, Block was asleep in bed. It was hardly ten minutes since Julian had seen him there. Were there two Blocks, then? thought George, as she had once thought before. The men disappeared into another tunnel, and the bright light of their lanterns disappeared gradually. The muffled rumble of their voices echoed back. Shall we follow them? said Dick. Of course not, said Julia. We might lose them and lose ourselves too. And supposing they suddenly turned back and found us following them, we should be in a horrid fix. I'm sure the first man was Mr Barling, said Anne suddenly. I couldn't see his face because the light of the lantern wasn't on it, but he just seemed like Mr Barling. Awfully tall and long everywhere. But Mr Barling's gone away, said Mary Bell. Supposed to have gone away, said George. It looks as if he's come back, if it was him. I wonder where those two have gone. To see my father in Sooty, do you think? Mm, quite likely, said Julian. Come on, let's get back. We simply daren't wander about by ourselves in these old tunnels. They run for miles, Sooty said and cross one another, and go up and down and round about, even right down to the marsh. We should never, never find our way out if we got lost. They turned to go back. They came to the end of the steps they'd been climbing and found themselves at the bottom of the window seat hole. It was quite easy to pull themselves up by the niches in the sides of the hole. Soon they were all in the room again, glad to see the sunshine streaming in at the window. They looked out. The marshes were beginning to be wreathed in mist once more, though up here the hill was golden with sunlight. I'm going to put the screws back into the window seat again, said Julian, picking up the screwdriver and shutting down the lid. Then, if Block comes here, he won't guess we found this new secret place. I'm pretty certain that he unscrewed the seat so that Mr Barling could get into this room and then screwed it down again so that no one would guess what had happened. He quickly put in the screws. Then he looked at his watch. Almost dinner time and I'm really hungry. I wish old Sooty was here and Uncle Quentin. I do hope they're all right. And Timmy too, said Julian. I wonder if Blocker is still in bed or wandering about the tunnels. Mm, I'm going to go and have a peep again. He soon came back, puzzled. Yes, he's there all right, safe in bed. It's really funny. Block did not appear at lunchtime. Sarah said he had asked not to be disturbed if he did not appear. He does get the most awful sick headaches, she said. Maybe he'll be all right this afternoon. She badly wanted to talk about everything, but the children had decided not to tell her anything. She was very nice and they liked her, but somehow they didn't trust anyone at Smuggler's Top. So Sarah got nothing out of them at all and retired in rather a huff. Julian went down to speak to Mr Lenoir after the meal. 
He felt that even if the inspector of police was not at the police station, somebody else must be informed. He was very worried about his uncle in the city. He couldn't help wondering if Mr Lenoir had made up the bit about the inspector being away to put off time. Mr Lenoir was looking cross when Julian knocked at his study door. Oh, it's you, he said to Julian. I was expecting Block. I've rung and rung for him. The bell rings in his room and I can't imagine why he doesn't come. I want him to come to the police station with me. Good, thought Julian. Then he spoke aloud. I'll go and hurry him up for you, Mr Lenoir. I know where his room is. Julian ran up the stairs and went to the little landing up, which, excuse me, up which the back stairs went to the staff bedrooms. He pushed open Block's door. Block was apparently still asleep in bed. Julian called loudly and then remembered that Block was deaf. So he went over to the bed and put his hand rather roughly on the hump of the shoulder between the clothes. But it was curiously soft. Julian drew his hand away and looked down sharply. Then he got a real shock. There was no block in the bed. There was a big ball of some sort, painted black to look like a head almost under the sheets. And when Julian threw back the covers, he saw instead of Block's body, a large lumpy bolster cleverly moulded to look like a curved body. That's the trick Block plays when he wants to slip off anywhere and yet pretend he's still here, said Julian. So it was Block we saw in the tunnel this morning. And it must have been Block that George saw talking to Mr Barling yesterday when she looked through the window. He's not deaf either. He's a very, very clever, sly double-faced, deceitful rogue. Wow, that's how he's been doing it. Wow, had you guessed though? I'd kind of guessed that maybe it wasn't him in bed, but I didn't know exactly how he was doing it. So, well, tomorrow we'll do chapter 19 and we will find out maybe... A little bit more, because I want to know where Uncle Quentin and Sooty are. And I really, really want to know how Timmy's doing. I'm a bit worried about Timmy. I'm more worried about Timmy than I am about Uncle Quentin and Sooty. So we need to find Timmy very desperately. Hopefully tomorrow we will. So chapter 19 will be tomorrow. Okay, so come back and join me. Anyway, until then, have a great day and take care. And stay safe. See you tomorrow. Bye for now.